0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you here this morning. And, like you've been hearing all morning, a special greeting to all of our wonderful dads and granddads. Thank you so much for all that you do for your families and for our church. Happy Father's Day. We appreciate you. We really do. And to show our appreciation, we have a special little gift for all the guys. Uh, You know, uh, on Mother's Day, we like to honor the gals by giving them a beautiful carnation. We didn't think the guys would appreciate that too much. So we have something to show you how special you are. If you remember last year, we had a can of Dad's root beer and a Slim Jim for all the guys. This year, it's Daddy's Donuts. Uh, Seriously, we have actually constructed a wall uh, in the lobby next to the fireplace. It has a number of specialized donuts on it. And a fan favorite is a maple-glazed donut with bacon on it. Can't wait to get out there. Doesn't that sound appetizing? So guys, uh, after the service, uh, operative and keyword, after, uh, go have at it and attack the wall, okay? Enjoy yourself. All right, as we begin this morning, I'm going to ask you to please turn in your New Testament to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5, I'm going to be reading from Mark, the fifth chapter. And in the way of introduction, Mark chapter 4 tells us that early on in the ministry of Jesus, probably right at the beginning of his second year, and the experts and commentators, they break the ministry of Jesus down into three years. The first year was the year of inauguration. Second year, year of popularity. Third year, year of opposition. And it was at the start of that second year His year of popularity that the scripture tells us Jesus was in Capernaum, and he spent the whole day there. And the multitudes of people came out to listen and to hear what Jesus had to say. And all day long, Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. He preached sermon after sermon, parable after parable, and the people were astonished at his teaching. And then toward the end of the day, uh, around evening time, he gave instructions for his disciples to get in the boat because he wanted them to cross over to the other side of the lake. And so let's pick up the story here in Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. It's a lengthy story. Uh, Please hang in there with me. And you can follow along up here on the screen. They went across, Jesus and his disciples, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs, and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones." And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion. And that's basically a Roman military term which consisted of about 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers. So quite a few demons here. He replied, uh, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. So Jesus gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out, went into the pigs... The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And so what was living in a man wasn't fit for pigs. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. They told him about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Could you imagine that? People actually rejecting Jesus. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, because they wanted him out of town, the man who had been demon-possessed begged, what did he do? He begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus did not let him but he said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, in where? The Decapolis, that's where he lived. So he went away and he told in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Okay. I took you through this entire account this morning, and we read every verse, not only because it involves and includes a pretty sizable and outstanding miracle, where Jesus proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has all power and all authority over the demons of darkness, and how many know that's good to know, but in addition to that, I wanted you to hear the specific instructions that Jesus gave to this tormented man who was finally set free. And here's what Jesus said to him in verse 19. Mark chapter 5, and verse 19. Go home. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. One more time. Go home to your family. And tell your family how much the Lord has done for you. Now, while you think about that, keep in mind that after months and maybe even years of being in all of this anguish and suffering, living in cemeteries, walking around naked, cutting himself with sharp stones, he finally came into contact with Jesus, and Jesus set him free. He sent all of those demons packing. And the end result of Jesus' ministry to this man was complete and total restoration. Because we're told that not long after Jesus reached out to him, he was sitting there in his right mind. And for the first time in forever, he decided to put on some clothes. And immediately following his newfound freedom... He begged Jesus, the Bible says, he appealed to Jesus that Jesus would allow him to join his ministry team, his traveling team, become one of his disciples. Maybe he thought, I could stand up and give my testimony at just the right time when Jesus is delivering a powerful message. And maybe my testimony could encourage someone who's under the same kind of spiritual bondage that I've been under. And this man really wanted to go with Jesus. He really wanted to be a part of what Jesus was doing. But Jesus said, no, I want you to go home. And I want you to share your testimony in your hometown. I want you to tell everybody what God has done for you. Start with your wife. Share it with your children. Work your way into your neighborhood. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Tell everyone you possibly can about the love and the mercy of God. Amen. I want you to go home. And do you remember from the passage that we just read where home was, where this man lived? He lived in what was called the Decapolis. That. Is translated ten cities comes from two Greek words deca meaning ten and polis meaning city hence the Decapolis a region of ten cities located on the east side of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus said I want you to go there and tell your story now fast forward A year later hang in there with me now fast forward a year later a year after jesus performs this tremendous miracle a year after jesus sets this demon possessed man free the one that he found in the tombs and something very interesting in fact it's outstanding it happens in the decapolis this is a year later 10 to 12 months later it's recorded in the gospel of matthew matthew chapter 15 verses 29 through 31, and, and in order to put this all together, you have to do your homework. You have to do a little research. You have to read all the Gospels. So here's what happened a year after Jesus ministered to this demon-possessed man. The Bible says that Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Now, a parallel verse in the Gospel of John tells us that this mountainside that Jesus went to, east of the Sea of Galilee, was in the Decapolis. So Jesus went to the Decapolis and the next verse that tells us that there in the Decapolis great crowds of people came to Jesus. But they didn't come by themselves. They came to Jesus bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others and they laid them at Jesus' feet and Jesus healed them. He healed every single one of them. So a year earlier... In the Decapolis, we just read this in Mark chapter five, Jesus comes into contact with a demon-possessed man. He sets this man free. This is a man that everyone in town knows about. There's stories going on about this guy and how crazy he is. Jesus comes in and after all the turmoil and all of the suffering that this man has endured, he set him free. And in response to this healing, Because they didn't understand it, and because of what they saw happening to the pigs, the people who lived there in the Decapolis, they freaked out. They were completely afraid. And what did they say to Jesus? Get out. We don't want you here. We don't want you in our town. We don't understand this. So he left. Ten months later, twelve months later, he passed by through the Decapolis again, And when the people heard that he was in town, the same people that told him to get out, now they came running to see Jesus, and they don't come by themselves, they bring along with them every single person who has a need, and they lay all these people at Jesus' feet, and Jesus heals them all. Why the change of heart? What in the world happened there in Decapolis? The once demon-possessed man happened. He did precisely what Jesus asked him to do. He went home, and he shared his testimony, and he told everyone about the love and the mercy of God. Remember, in Mark chapter 5, and verse 19, we read this just a few moments ago, Jesus said to the man, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Verse 20, So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. One man with one testimony, used that influence that he had in his hometown, and he turned the Decapolis upside down. Just one guy. Now, here's my question to those of you who are here this morning. How many of you in this place have a testimony of a changed life? If you're a believer, every hand should go up. Because the moment you open your heart to the gospel message and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a testimony, a powerful testimony of the goodness of God. In fact, we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17-19, through 19, or 17 and 18, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And in the process of reconciliation, of reconciling us to God, making us in right standing with God, putting us in right relationship with God, in the process of doing all that, God gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only did he reconcile us, but he put that in our hearts If you're here this morning, you think, I don't have a spiritual gift. I don't have any ministry. God hasn't given me anything. He's given you the ministry of reconciliation. It's for all of us. It's a ministry to be in right relationship with the people around us and with our God. And here's the ministry of reconciliation in a nutshell. Mark chapter 5 and verse 19. Go home. your family and tell them the great things that God has done for you share your testimony don't keep it to yourself don't hold the gift that God has given to you just to yourself use that gift to let the people know how merciful and how loving and caring our great God is and so this morning here's my main objective It's really simple. And since this is Father's Day, I want to put this challenge out, especially for the men. Here's the challenge. Use your God-given influence to change and reconcile lives. Use your God-given influence to change and reconcile lives. And guys, you can start with your families. And if you would say to me, Tony, that sounds really great and it's something I would really wanna do, but to be quite honest, my children are not interested at all in what I have to say. They could care less about my opinion. And if you would say that to me, if you would respond that way, then I would say back to you with total disagreement, oh yes, they do, they do care. They absolutely are interested in what you have to say and in who you are. And they may not tell you that. They may not give you the impression that they care. But I have the research and the facts to prove that I'm right. In fact, according to Dr. David Pompano, and this is hot off the press, he's the professor of sociology and a co-director of the National Marriage Project. He says fathers are far, far more than just second adults in the homes. Involved fathers, loving fathers, caring fathers, especially biological fathers, they bring positive benefits to their children that no other person on the planet can give them. That's what fathers do. Fathers have a parenting style significantly different than that of a mom. But check it out. And this is the research over and over and over again. This has been proven throughout the generations, especially today. A father's ongoing influence is extremely important in the healthy development of every child. Dads, granddads, your children need you. They are looking for you to influence and affect their lives. You see, your opinion does count. And how you conduct your life does matter. And so in the time remaining this morning, I want to give you three ways to optimize the power of influence among your family members. Three ways that you can influence your family members. And dads and granddads, when you do this, when you inspire your children, your grandchildren, not only will it pay huge dividends, but there is a snowball effect and the sky is the limit. Children and grandchildren are looking at you. So here's the three ways. Number one. Have a sacrifice mentality. Have a sacrifice mentality. Number two, invest in your family members' dreams. And number three, prove the greatest of these is love. All right, let's look at these one at a time. Number one, have a sacrifice mentality. Have a sacrifice mentality. One of my favorite stories surrounding the life of King David is found in 2 Samuel 24. What takes place in 2 Samuel 24 happens years and years after David went up against the Goliath of Gath and killed him with a slingshot. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, King David makes a huge mistake. And now I'm not talking about his indiscretion with Bathsheba and Uriah. No, on this occasion, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, David decides to count all of the soldiers in his military. And the motivation behind this census, or the motivation behind him numbering his army was pride and arrogance. King David wanted everyone else to know how great of a king he had become. He wanted them to know about all of his accomplishments, all of his achievements, and what he was able to do all by himself. And it was pretty impressive. Because remember with me that when David first started out, the 400 men that he had with him in the cave of Adullam, they were totally bankrupt as far as men are concerned. They were losers. They were misfits. They were all in debt. They were discontented. They were discouraged. 400 men, they all came together. And that 400 men grew to be a 1.5 million man army that could handle a sword better than any other army in the world. And so for just a second, David was lifted up with pride. He lost his mind. He let the enemy entice him. And he ordered his commander-in-chief, Joab, to number all of the men. And when he did that, God was ticked. Mainly because God had given specific orders to Moses that whenever you take a census of any kind, whenever you number the people or whenever you do a count, the very first thing that you have to do by law is is to pay a ransom for the people and offer a sacrifice to God. The reason that God commanded That the people would do that, the people in charge, is because when you did that, when you offered sacrifice to God and when you paid that ransom, you gave God all the credit and all the glory. You said, God, the reason I have what I have is because of you. The reason something good has come my way and I've been able to achieve something is because of you. But on this occasion, and very uncharacteristic of King David, who all of his life had a heart for God, he made this mistake. He was lifted up in pride. And he said, look what I have done. Look at the work of my hands. Look what I've been able to accomplish. And this is a common mistake made among men. And because of what he did, his prideful actions angered the Lord, and a deadly plague broke out among the Israelites. In a matter of hours, 70,000 innocent people were dead. And they were dropping like flies. And that's when Gad the prophet found that law of Moses in in the law book. He went running to David and he said, David, what you need to do is offer a sacrifice and you need to do it yesterday. That's the only way that we're going to be able to stop this plague. That's the only way all this death is going to stop is if you will offer a sacrifice and and pay a ransom for all these people. So David responded and he ran to the first field that he could find so that he would have a place to be able to offer the sacrifice. He went to the owner of this field because time was of the essence. And he said to the owner, quick, tell me how much you'll sell this property to me for. I need to buy this property. I need to buy it right now. And when the landowner realized that it was king david he said to david your majesty why in the world would i even think about charging you a nickel for this property here's the deed to the property take it it's yours it's my gift to you and david said no i have to pay for this property myself and in second samuel 24 and verse 24 david makes this powerful statement i will not offer Or I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. You see, a sacrifice by definition will cost you something. A sacrifice is painful. A sacrifice will hurt a little bit. In fact, a sacrifice is the act of giving up something of value for the sake of someone else. Not just giving something up, but giving up something of value for the sake of someone else. And you see this in the game of baseball. It's called a sacrifice bunt. which the Tigers would learn how to do it when the game's on the line. Never see them bunting. A sacrifice bunt is when the batter willingly gives himself up in order to advance a runner into scoring position. And dads, with a sacrifice mentality, you can advance the status of your family members, your wife and your children. You literally have the power to put them in position to thrive and to succeed. That power rests in your hands. That influence is in your hands. And again, no one can do this any better than dads and granddads. Remember the research. Loving fathers, caring fathers, bring positive benefits to their children that no other person can give them. And your children and your family, they will never realize these special benefits that you have to offer them and give them when you place your own desires and your own aspirations and your own goals as a higher priority than theirs. Another common mistake made by men. And that leads me to influence number two. Invest in your family members' dreams. Have a sacrifice mindset. And number two, invest in your family members' dreams. And I'm talking about getting to know each one of your family members intimately and becoming their top advocate and champion. And the only way that you can do that is with involvement. Say that. Involvement. Participating and experiencing their lives together. And for the record, let me just tell you that involvement goes well beyond just being present. And being present is extremely important. Being present is definitely a step in the right direction. But there is a huge difference between being present and being a promoter. Someone who supports and motivates, encourages, inspires, and cheers on. Now, in the book of Acts, We're told that not long after the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus' ascension back to his throne in heaven, a young man by the name of John Mark had a dream of becoming a Christian missionary. This is what he wanted to do with his life. John Mark was raised in a Christian home. His mother was a solid, strong believer. John Mark saw and witnessed the power of prayer. He heard Jesus preach and he decided to devote his life to spreading the gospel message. And I don't know how it happened, but John Mark actually got assigned to a mission trip with two of the big boys. I mean, the most powerful mission team on the planet at the time, Paul the Apostle and Barnabas. John Mark went with them on their first missionary journey. But because he got homesick about halfway during the missionary trip, John Mark decides to go back home. He just quit the mission right in the middle of it. He left Paul and Barnabas holding the bag. And so the second time around, because John Mark still had this dream to be a missionary, when he went back to these guys and said, I'd like to try it again, Paul the Apostle said, No way. There is absolutely no way on earth that I'm taking you again the second time. You left me holding the bag? You're out of luck. John Mark apologized. He said, I'm sorry, Uh, that won't happen again. I promise you, I've matured. I'll make it through the entire trip. Paul wasn't having any of it. In fact, from Paul's perspective, John Mark had his opportunity and he blew it. But Barnabas, he took John Mark under his wing, he continued to work with John Mark. He spent time with him. He believed in him. He learned all about his goals and his dreams. And he continued to work with John Mark because he saw value in this young man's life. And after a while of maturing, it was Barnabas who went back to Paul the Apostle and he appealed to Paul on behalf of John Mark and said, Let's give this kid another chance. Paul vehemently objected to it. So much so that the two of them, Paul and Barnabas, had a falling out. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 39 says that the contention, or there was such a sharp disagreement between them that they parted company. Can you believe that? That Paul and Barnabas actually split up over this matter? But Barnabas, he would not, give up on John Mark he took him by the hand he spoke into his life he mentored him he motivated him he invested in John Mark's dream and in his desire to become a Christian minister and missionary and do you remember what happened to John Mark anyone He wrote a gospel. It's the gospel of Mark. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke and John. This young guy, he wrote a gospel of the New Testament in the Bible. Now earlier, I quoted from Mark chapter five, the gospel of Mark chapter five, the gospel that this young man wrote. That was my main text in this message this morning. Do you have any idea how many other preachers throughout the years have quoted from the Gospel of Mark? How many people have been saved? How many lives have been changed? Do you think John Mark realized his dream? Absolutely! Became one of the greatest missionaries there ever was. All because Barnabas invested in his life. Dad's Granddads, you have that same power of influence. You have that same God-given ability. Your personal involvement in the lives of your children have significant and life-changing potential for each and every one of them. If you could get beyond what's important to you, and the dreams and the aspirations that you have, and put your full effort into their dreams, it would change their world. And so again, have a sacrifice mentality. That's number one. Number two, invest in your family members' dreams. And finally, a third way to optimize the influence that God has given to you is to prove to your children and to your families that the greatest of these is love. Paul the Apostle said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said these three remain, faith, hope, and love. They're always going to be around, but the greatest of these, the greatest gift that you could ever give is love. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this last concept next Sunday when we come back. Okay, we're not going to cover the third one today. By design, here's a little teaser. I saved the best for last. All right, so let's bow our heads. We have a closing song, and then we're going to dismiss you. Father, we thank you for the challenge that you put out to us today. Lord, that we could get outside of ourselves and understand the powerful influence that you've given to each and every one of us. You have given all of us, not just fathers, even though this message has been directed this morning at dads because it's Father's Day. But Lord, each and every one of us can appropriate these elements. Lord, we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation where we can be in right standing and right relationship with you and the people around us. And Father, we're asking you to open our eyes, we're praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, particularly for our men, to realize just how powerful a gift you've given to us. We are not second-class Christians in the home. We are not someone who has a totally ineffective parenting, or ministry style, Lord, you have given us specific goals. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister and bless our men in these closing moments, Lord, that you would give them a gift, a gift of knowing who they are and having confidence in you. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.